The following program is brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. At Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us, host a show, or be a guest, or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable change makers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E helping you find and shine your inner light. Good morning, everybody. This is Mildred Lynn McDonald, and I am your host for Healing Conversations, and I'll be the moderator for our roundtable today. The roundtable topic is Become Strong and Use Your Voice. To join me in our conversation is Deb Carisella. Good morning. John Carousella. Good morning. And from Menlo Park, Hi C. Lettimers. Hello. Yay, Hi C. is here. So become strong and use your voice. Where did I ever come up with that? Well, as it happens, I'm in the process of listening to a series of audio recordings from the 13 Indigenous grandmothers. After listening to one or two audios, the bottom line that kept coming up to me, and now other people might have had a different conclusion, is the best way that we can help heal the earth at this time is to become strong within ourselves and from that place of strength to use our voice to share our message of healing. I was quite intrigued with that and wanted to offer Deb and John and High C four questions. The first question is, What is your personal connection between strength and using your voice? The second one is, how do you use your voice today? The third question, how would you like to use your voice tomorrow? And the fourth is, what fills the space in between? What's in between today's voice and tomorrow's voice? So I'll go back to the first question. What is your personal connection between strength and using your voice? And throw it out there. Who would like to grab that one? When I read your topic and is getting prepared to do the roundtable this morning, this question kind of brought something up for me, kind of tickled a memory. When I was a little girl, Bewitched was on television, and I was totally enthralled with the idea of having powers and being able to twitch your nose and have something magical occur or just be able to change your environment through your own will as it was. And for me, twitching my nose was a cool idea, but I have always had, from the time that I was a little girl, I have always had this idea or this impulse that it would be absolutely phenomenal if I had power if I had ability in my voice. My will could be presented or brought to bear on the world around me simply by 
stating a command or yelling a direction or or something to that effect. So I don't know if this is exactly what you were thinking about with the question, what is my personal connection between strength and using your voice, but that's what immediately was brought back to my mind was, you know, I always wanted to have the ability to, in a situation, if there was something going on, to be able to just create instant peace or subdue panic by simply saying something out loud. The voice of command. Yes. So that's my little fantasies about strength and voice. How about you, John? Well, so my personal connection between strength and voice is... It had been there for a long time. The time I was a little kid, I would sing along with the classical opera records that my parents and my oldest sister would play. And this really high soprano voice, I'd be, you know, just bellowing, belting out these arias. And oddly enough, when I was a little kid, my favorite superhero was Mighty Mouse. And it's only recently that I realized why Mighty Mouse might have been my favorite superhero. And it's because he's the only superhero that sings when he goes into battle. Here I come to save the day. (laughs) So I think it's very deep for me. When I was in high school, middle school and high school, I took every opportunity I could to participate in the choral groups and musicals and drama and so on. So so there's a lot for me that's tied up in, in using my voice, oh. and it always has been. So you're going to be leading Kumbaya at the end, right? <laughs> uh, might not be Kumbaya, exactly. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Hi-C? What's your personal connection between strength and using your voice? Well, one thing, it's probably somewhat similar to what Deb was talking about, is I tend to think of the voice as, the primary instrument of magic because there's a sense of if you if you give something voice, if you speak it, then it becomes real. So the strength there is we have to be really careful a lot of times about what we say because that ends up creating a reality or manifesting something. And whether that means you want something from someone, like say you want a promotion at work or something like that, then what do we tell people? Then speak up, say that, ask for that, because using the voice gives strength to the ability for that to become real. You can't expect somebody to be a mind reader and then get disappointed that you don't get something. So that's, to me, the strength of the voice. It's the power of being able to make something become manifest and become real. I also think of strength in the sense of speaking up for injustice or speaking up for somebody or something that is in need of help or assistance because sometimes we have to be the voice for the voiceless if they don't have the ability to be heard in some way. And so that also to me is the strength of the voice. When we use the voice to speak up, then we call attention to something. We make sure that something or someone is not suffering or is not happening in silence, but is being given witness or is being made known because the voice is actually, again, 
creating that reality, making it real and manifest by speaking it. So, Heisey, how do you use your voice today? Judiciously. It's learning how and when to use the voice rather than feeling like everything that goes through my mind has to be said. It's also knowing when to speak up and when not to because, to me, part of the voice is also the listening because it's understanding how to know when to use the voice to be heard, but also how to use the voice to stay quiet so that you can actually listen to what's being said or what's going on, or to not use the voice to contribute to something that might not be very productive. Engaging in an argument sometimes is not productive, so using the voice there isn't necessarily the most judicious way of using the voice. So knowing when and where and how to use the voice, as well as always keeping in mind that if you say something, it becomes real, which can go to things like saying something in an argument you didn't really mean, but now the reality is you've hurt some of these feelings that could have been avoided if you hadn't said something and waited until you were in a calmer state of mind. So that to me is how I use my voice, I guess, today, is is I try to use it judiciously rather than always thinking I have to constantly be saying something or just speaking noise rather than only using it when I actually have something that's worthy of being said. Mm, Judiciously. Now, John and Deb, what about you guys? How do you use your voice? Anything coming up? Well, for me, I think I use my voice today in the capacity that we're using it right now. It's about sharing my perspectives and experiences and engaging with others and helping them share their perspectives and experiences through the radio, through the transformational media work that we do. And I think, you know, there's a lot more to this than just having a radio show. And I think as Deb and Heisey have pointed out, there's power in the voice. There's power in what we do. And so it really is incumbent upon us to be judicious and responsible with how we bring our voices out. And so I think... That's part of what I'm learning, too, is what is the nature of this medium and this instrument that I'm harnessing? Even as I am doing it, I am learning about what it means to use it. So like I see, John, I see's word is judicious. What word would you use? Any vibration coming in? Well, it's interesting because on the one hand, the word is responsibly. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the word is enchantingly or engagingly. Okay. You know, I'm trying to cultivate a capacity to engage. What about you, Deb? Does the word come up for you in terms of how you use your voice today? Probably proactively. I have recently become much more proactively engaged in using my voice by signing my name, by including my comment or my vote, my count to a petition about something. So much like Heisey mentioned where it takes multitudes to bring something to light, to show the injustice of something or to just allow the greater community to become aware of something that is happening, something that needs to be 
brought to the attention of many. And the more numbers that are involved in that, the more individuals giving voice to that makes it all the more possible. And so I have started to become active in putting my voice, my name, into the ring on particular topics. I personally don't believe that fracking should be allowed anywhere in this country, let alone anywhere in the world. I think it's extremely dangerous. I think it's short-sighted. I think it's a huge detriment to the environment and to the people and the animals and the everything that's living. And so when I have an opportunity to speak out and make my choice or my feelings about allowing fracking known, that's what I do. So your word would be actively. Use your voice actively. Yes. Yeah. Now, if you looked at how you use your voice today and how you would like to use your voice tomorrow, and I understand that you might be a completely different person tomorrow. All of us mm-hmm. might be a completely different person. Is there an area that we'd like to use our voice or our voices that we're working toward or, or we see a space or an opportunity opening up? Does anybody feel that vibration? I believe and would like to hope that, and this might not make a whole lot of sense, but it's a feeling. So I want to move into lightness and joy. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that tomorrow my voice will reflect much more lightness and joy. Anybody else? I think for me, I want to use my voice for, for awakening. Okay. But I also want to use my voice in song. I just want to I want to sing more. I want to create more music. And hi, see, I know you want to use your voice to give Mildred Lynn more compliments. You already <laughs> told me that. <laughs> I, I'm still crafting that. Uh, <laughs> still have to warm the voice up. <laughs> what about you, Mildred Lynn? What's your personal connection between strength and using your voice? I find that when my core is feeling strong and centered, then my voice feels strong and centered. If my core is off kilter, left to center, then I feel that I have difficulty articulating my message or using my voice. That's my connection. So my goal is to continue to nourish a strength in my core so I can communicate what I need to communicate. And how I use my voice today, like all of us, we're using our voice through Internet radio to provide a platform for other people to get their messages out there. I use my voice, hopefully, through laughter and joy. And tomorrow, in terms of using my voice, I'd like to be even more centered and clear so that my message would be more articulate. And I really liked what everybody was saying earlier about how important it is to respect and honor your voice and understand that it's energy going out there and the relationship between manifesting and being sensitive to people's feelings and being able to share your voice with the world in a good way and in a commanding way. So that's where I see myself going with that. Stentorian. Mildred Lynn the Stentor. There's a Greek character, Stentor, 
who had the voice of a hundred men. Well, there you go. Or something, something like that. <laughs> there you go, John. Maybe it was ten men, but anyway, it was a lot. Mildred <laughs> <laughs> Stentor Lynn McDonald. I like it. <laughs> thoughts on using your voice or strength, anything coming up? Well, I would like to just say that what Debbie talked about is using her voice to be to be active. Mm-hmm. There's, all, there's another flavor of that, and that is using your voice to be accountable, right? To step up and speak up and be counted, mm-hmm. right? And And I think that's in the environment that is emerging, the new reality that is emerging, that is fed by social networking technology, but really is the emergence of direct participatory democracy. We all have to get used to and practice the art of speaking up and being accountable. I think it's good for everyone. I see, or or Deb, any final thoughts? I just found this a really fun (laughs) roundtable. Good. There you go. <laughs> and high C in Menlo Park. I think it's just important for people to remember that their voice is just as important and is just as worthy of being heard as anyone else's. So people should not be so afraid of using their voice, nor feel that they have to keep themselves silenced or be silenced when they feel they have something that is their truth and that is worthy of being said that can contribute or be productive. And to recap for our listeners, the roundtable today was Become Strong and Use Your Voice, and I'd like to invite everybody to play with the questions, and I'll just say the questions once more. Number one, what is your personal connection between strength and using your voice? Number two, how do you use your voice today? Number three, how would you like to use your voice tomorrow? And number four, what fills the space in between? And we really didn't go into that area directly. If you'd like to answer that question, you might just play with that a little bit. So I'd like to thank John and Hi-C and Deb for a fabulous roundtable. I feel like we had fun playing together this morning. I invite our listeners to listen to the rest of the show. And this is Mildred Lynn McDonald, your host for Healing Conversations. Thanks, Mildred Lynn. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Mildred. Well, that's our roundtable for this week. Many thanks to Mildred Lynn McDonald and participants. We hope you found this roundtable discussion engaging and thought-provoking. If you would like to join the conversation, visit facebook.com slash fireflywillows and add your comment under this week's roundtable post. Stay tuned. Mildred Lynn McDonald, and I'm your host for Healing Conversations. Thank you for joining us today. For the past 12 years, I've been an advocate for the healing benefits of energy work. So when I come across someone who is in integrity, shining their light, and doing a beautiful job in this arena, I become eager to learn more about their area of expertise and then share it with others through vehicles like Healing Conversations. Our special guest today is Crystal Starr. She's an intuitive reader, a crystal and chakra expert, and owner of Crystal's Intuitive Center 
in Mountain View, California. Crystal designs wonderful healing programs to help people get rid of negative energy in their lives. During our time together, Crystal will share her unique perspective on working with life force energy through the seven chakras, explore questions that her clients often ask her, acknowledge her personal sources of inspiration, and speak to her heartfelt concerns about the future of our children. Plus, she will share intuitive insights on how we can seize opportunities to move forward in a positive direction for the highest interest of ourselves, our children, and Mother Earth. So if you're looking for thought-provoking honesty and clarity from someone who is deeply dedicated to helping others, you'll love our conversation with Crystal Starr. So, without further ado, let us welcome Crystal Starr today. Hello, Crystal. Hello. Are you in Mountain View today or somewhere else? I'm in Sunnyvale. Ah, and and we know the weather's absolutely beautiful. Oh, it always is in California. And for our listeners, I'm here in Nova Scotia, Canada, on Cape Breton Island. This is where I was born. We have piles and piles of snow. It's a bright, sunny day. And when I look out the window, I can see the cliffs of the Atlantic Ocean and beautiful little bits of ice. So I think we have the best of both worlds, Crystal. Oh, I think we do. No, I want to dive right in here. For our listeners, I think, Crystal, I've known you maybe for four or five years. I I don't know where the time has gone, but I do know that I very much respect the work that you do. And on your website, you're positioning yourself as an intuitive reader and a crystal and a chakra and a feng shui expert. What I'd love to have you share with everybody is, What do each of these areas mean, and how do they all work together for your clients? Well, I come from generations of psychics and healers, so I've been raised around this sort of thing. Although I learned how to read and heal clients from my mother and my grandmother, I came into the knowledge of chakras and feng shui in my teens and started studying them from there. I then started to create programs that integrated all three of these avenues to create healing processes that heal the mind, the body, and the soul. I feel that it's important to touch all three areas in order to get to any problem. Negativity may start from within, but really it, it has the ability, the ability to grow and affect the physical body. And when you combine these three areas, you get a complete and overall healing. I guess these words and this approach to life is second nature to you because you have come from a family where it's very openly celebrated, no doubt. Yes, exactly. I grew up knowing exactly where my my spiritual path was headed. I was lucky mm-hmm. enough to have been raised in this type of environment. People know that there's seven chakras, and are they the chakras you're talking about that you work with? Yes, I work with the seven main chakras, from the top of the head where the crown is, and then from the bottom of the spine, the root chakra. And then when you're working with crystals, and for our listeners, I've been in Crystal's Intuitive Center in Mountain View, and she has the most beautiful displays of crystals. 
with the crystals, how does that work with the chakras? Well, I feel that crystals are, are God's way of putting a little bit of healing for our souls into Mother Nature. Just like oh. God provided uh, vitamins for the body and nutrition for the body, God also provided healing for the spiritual body as well, and that's where crystals come in. And there are so many, so many different types of crystals out there, and most of them connect to a specific chakra. Some of them even connect to several chakras. For an example, Crystal, hit us with a, a crystal and maybe it's the chakra that it would help heal. Well, one of the most powerful ones and one of the most favorites for a lot of my clients is the amethyst. That one mm-hmm. connects directly to the third eye chakra, which enhances your psychic ability. So amethyst kind of became the main crystal for all psychics around the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful purple stone. I may be pronouncing this incorrectly because I'm known to be creative in my pronunciations. The feng shui, is that proper? Feng shui, yes. You know a lot of people actually pronounce it a little bit differently, but yes, feng shui. (laughs) Just basically for people who this is a term that they're not familiar with. Well, what it means is energy in your home is very similar to energy in your body. Homes create energy just like the physical body are very similar anyway. And if you're able to construct the home in a way that's most appropriate for, for the energy to flow properly, then it's going to create a much, much better energy. If the energy in the home is balanced, then the energy in your body is able to function properly. And there are so many tips and tricks that, that you're able to um, arrange your home, your furniture, the construction of your home, uh, crystals in certain areas of the house that allow this to happen. And now the other one would be the intuitive reader. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, there are many ways of giving readings. A lot of people use tarot cards, a lot of uh, the palm reading. There are so many different tools, but I like to just rely on my own intuitive ability. This is something that everyone is born with, although some people have it a lot stronger than others. So what it means is that I'm able to just look at somebody and talk to them, and the more I talk to them, the more I could see who they truly are. I could see their energy behind what they're saying. I could see their past, present, and future, what led them to the point in their life that they're in right now and how the best way to accomplish their goals and reach their their future goals in life, in the future. When you have the honor of sitting there with someone and having access to this energetic information for their highest good and your highest good, that's a big responsibility. So how do you deal with that as a human being? Deal with the responsibility of healing people? Yes, yeah. To tell you the truth, it is a very big responsibility because there are certain clients that come in and they're wanting um, something that maybe they're not meant to have, you know. They're wanting me to help force them to, to lead their lives in a certain way. And I have to try to teach that client that what's important is what you're meant to have. What is important is to bring positive and happy energy in your life, not to force something specific. That's the part that holds a lot of responsibility, not only healing and helping the client, but sometimes even teaching them. 
maybe a person would come in and they would think in their head that having access to this information is what they need. But at a deeper level, an energy level, a soul level, it's in their highest interest for you to take them in another direction. How do you get them from point A to point B? Well, if the person is willing to to understand that whatever's meant to happen in their lives is in their best interest, then it's easy. But when a person is really stuck on one specific area in their life that's not really meant to happen, then, yeah, it does become very difficult. And sometimes what I have to do is just let go. Sometimes at that point, it's up to God. You know, I can't control everything. And it's a big responsibility to be able to remember that, when to let go and say, you know what, it's time for God to just take over. And maybe it's time that you should uh, work on this yourself. You know, there's only so much I can do as a human being. I like that. Now, on your on your website, you're sharing that all your healing programs that you've been inspired to create focus on healing negative energy. So I'm wondering why you've chosen that focus for your programs. Well, from what I see, the basis of everything comes from positive or negative energy. It's God's way of kind of balancing out the world. In order to get to the root of any problem, you have to figure out why this problem has happened in the first place. For instance, um, let's say a person's going through a bad pattern of breaking up with their uh, in their love life with boyfriend after boyfriend, and this person becoming heartbroken. We have to figure out why this is happening in the first place, because negative energy takes a part in that. And we have to figure out where this negative energy took root. Is it in the heart chakra? Is it in the solar plexus chakra? When you heal that root of negative energy, positive energy just unfolds on its own. So in order to heal the negative energy, let's say I came in and I had, let me see now, I was having, I I was forlorn, I was um, impatient because I wanted to bring someone special into my life and I wasn't successful and I was kind of attracted to the type of person that wasn't good for me. How would you approach that? Well, that's what I like to call a a negative pattern. Your energy became addicted to a certain type of negative pattern that wasn't good for you. So what that means is that the chakra actually learned that pattern. Just like we can learn patterns, our chakras can learn patterns. And the chakras start to manifest that same thing over and over and over again. So what you have to go, do is go into that specific chakra that learned that pattern, which in this case, if you're in love with the person, then it would be your heart. If you're just attracted to that type of person, it would be your navel chakra. You'd have to go into that specific chakra and kind of like reset it. Start teaching it to learn new patterns and wipe clean all those bad memories. And Crystal... When you're going in, and I love your idea, your insight, your healing insight into resetting the chakra, do people ask, how long does this take? Because everybody kind of wants a magic pill, and I'm, I'm sensing that this could be a process. So can you talk to that a little bit? It most definitely is a process. And a lot of people ask, how long is it going to take? 
Well, the truth is it's really different for everyone, and you can't really put a number or a time frame on how long it's going to take. I can tell my clients that they start to feel the results instantly. However, accomplishing their ultimate goal, for some people it may take a few weeks, and for some people it may take months. You know, there's people out there where it could take years to really heal a deeply ingrained um, negative energy. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a challenge when it comes to creating these programs is helping the client learn patience. And the other question I wanted to ask when you're looking at someone's energy body, and let's say there's there's a repetitive pattern that a person would like to heal, can you tell by working with the person how deeply ingrained it is? Maybe it's is does it come to you like as a superficial pattern or and other people it might be a deeply entrenched pattern? Are you able to discern that? Most definitely. When the more I talk to a person, the more this becomes clear. It could either be a very superficial and maybe even shallow type of negative energy, which I like to call everyday negative energy because, honestly, there's no avoiding negativity. Everybody goes through negativity. And I could tell whether this is just everyday negativity or something that goes deeper than that and started in their childhood. Maybe even it may have started in a past life. This is something I'd be able to tell, although talking to the person really makes this clearer. I find that very very inspiring and very hopeful because there's a lot of people out there who are walking around with, as you call, the negative energy. They have repetitive patterns, and they may feel hopeless, or they may feel, I don't have the tools to help me work through this. And what you're offering through your programs that you've developed is another way to look at things, another paradigm, another universe almost. And it's one based on once you start learning about energy, it makes a lot of common sense. Absolutely. To me, this is just, like you said, it is really just common sense. If you're not raised around this sort of thing, it's something that you could be very, very blind to. And it's like walking around in your life with a blindfold on. You know, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to reach your goals. You don't know what's going to happen to you. You're constantly analyzing everything in your life without this knowledge. So my main goal is to help my clients learn this knowledge and be able to use it for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I really like that. I love the healing and I love the teaching aspect. And talking about the teaching aspect, I remember walking into your your intuitive center, and by the way, the energy is so nice in there, and I'm imagining that you have used your feng shui because the energy feels so nice and with the crystals and everything like that, but you've developed a whole series of CDs for chakras. So I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners the type of information that you felt was important enough to create a CD for, and also... Were there people asking for them? Was it a need you were trying to fill? Did you wake up some morning and say, gee, I have to create these CDs? How did it all unfold for you? Well, the CDs are actually a recording of my singing bowls. Each bowl plays a different note corresponding with a specific chakra. My clients develop a very strong attachment to the healing abilities of these notes from the singing bowls. 
but obviously it would be very difficult for them to come in every single day. This provides them a way to keep that healing with them on a daily basis. Although obviously it's not as good as feeling the vibrations of the bowls in person, it's a really good way to use, use that healing in between the in-person sessions with my clients. Why do the crystal singing bowls heal? How does it work? Well, you know, just similar to the, to the crystals themselves, God, in my eyes, God has provided healing methods and tools here on earth for our emotions and for our spiritual bodies as well as our physical bodies, just like vitamins, just like lavender calms the senses in the body. Crystals will heal, and there are certain notes and tones that change your body and change your mind and change your spirit as well. That's why people react so strongly to music. People who really connect to music, they could hear a song and their heart will just soar. They could cry from it. They could smile from it. It could take away all their problems and all their stress. This is a source of power. And using the crystal bowls is a way to harness that power of music, of tones, of notes. And it's a more concentrated way instead of using music. It's a lot more concentrated and a lot stronger, but very similar. So when when a person is listening to the singing bowls and they're benefiting from that beautiful healing energy, can they actually feel the energy shift in their chakras? What have people said to you? Almost definitely. There are people who have felt their whole body heat up as I'm playing the bowls. There are people who felt chills run all the way through their body. There are people who have seen visions and dreams of things that were about to happen and things that they need to know while I'm playing the bowls. There are people who, if their energy is not balanced, will tell me that they could hear it through one ear but can't hear it through the other ear, which, was, which is always really amazing. And that's a sign that the energy needs to be a little more balanced. I'm envisioning your client laying down. I'm envisioning the healing bowl and you creating the healing sound. How do you know when you've created enough healing energy? Does it go two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes? How does that work for you? Well, it could run anywhere from 15 minutes to 30 minutes. And I don't really put a time limit on my healings because everybody's different. So I don't charge my time with that. And it really is different for everyone, and I could feel it intuitively. Uh, For instance, there was this one woman who had some back problems, and the negativity was in the root chakra. The root chakra is connected to the spine. So whenever you have negativity in the root chakra, you have a lot of back pain. Well, while I'm playing the bowl, I could feel pain shooting straight down my spine, and that's how I knew I was able to remove the negative energy from her root chakras because I felt it in my own body. I like that. Now, Crystal, when you're doing these healing sessions with the crystal bowls and sending out healing and energy, do you also heal? Is there a benefit to you? Sometimes there is and sometimes there isn't, actually. When a person's energy is a bit stubborn or extremely strong, 
then it's a bit draining on me and I have to do my own meditations to cleanse myself and heal myself. But when a person is already very strong, then we kind of um, thrive off of each other and we kind of, the energy kind of bounces back and forth between myself and the client and we both kind of become stronger and more powerful. But it really depends on who I'm healing. And are you seeing, this is the other question that's coming into me, are you seeing a growing need for people to be healed this way? Absolutely. You know, the the rate of people who need to be healed is just growing and growing. But the good thing is that people are becoming more and more aware of meditation. Whereas before, when I was first starting to uh, build my clientele and, and learn about this as a child, I had to go into specific detail explaining to people what negative energy and positive energy is, what the chakras are. Now people lately come in and they already know what I'm talking about. They ask me about the chakras. They tell me they need a chakra healing. And that is what has been changing. Now, do you feel you were inspired to create these chakra CDs? Was it a source? Was it a source of inspiration in a healing sense or was it from your mind that, okay, well, this seems like a good tool or was it both? Well, it was a little bit of both. Um, There was a lot of people coming in that were telling me, you know, I can't afford to come in every week, but I just love the sound of the bowls. Can I record it? So that's when I came up with the idea of just recording them for people. And when, how do people react to the, to the CDs, like I know you mentioned that you're not getting the vibration firsthand, but you are getting the healing benefits to a certain extent. How effective are they? They're very effective, and the reason for that is because you could play them all day long. Although, like I said, it's not like feeling it firsthand. Feeling it firsthand is a very small process you know it only it's only going to last for about 15 to 30 minutes an hour at the very most but having it on cd you could listen to it while you're falling asleep you could listen to it in the car you could listen to it while you're washing the dishes having it on all day long like that is extremely powerful and here's a question for you crystal i don't know if you know the answer or not but many people find it very soothing and healing to stand by the ocean and listen to the waves or listen to a brook or listen myself. I love to listen to birds chirping and that's resonating energy at a certain note, so to speak. Is that why it's, it's so healing for people when they listen to the waves or listen to birds or other things in nature, because it's, it's hitting that musical note that helps to heal whatever chakra needs to be healed. Well, I'm so glad you asked that because, yes, that is exactly one of nature's ways of healing the body. And that's why people are so attracted to it. There are so many different notes and sounds and and things out there in the world that we can harness and heal from. And Mother Nature's sound and, and uh, energy is one of those things. Yes, absolutely. I like I like that very much. Now, see, you're you're connecting all the dots for me. I get to ask all these questions. <laughs> I'm feeling quite spoiled. <laughs> now, the, the other thing I want to talk to you about, 
in preparation for our time together, I went on YouTube, and I noticed that you are delving into the world of YouTube videos, which I enjoyed very much. I really liked your guidance. I really liked your perspective. And I understand that you created some of these videos in response to a request from your client. Now, when I was listening to them and watching you, I, I thought a few of the questions would be good for everybody. So would you be open to just sharing? I'll ask the question from the video, and maybe you can share the guidance that you provided. Yes, absolutely. The first question I wanted to ask, and based on your YouTube video, is how do we manifest better opportunities? And this can apply to everybody. So, Crystal, run with this one. Manifesting better opportunities is all about your state of mind and your energy. Like I say in my video, if you're always telling yourself there's a problem or a challenge in your life, the chakra system will not develop a solution to that problem. It will only manifest the problem even more, creating a pattern. But if you tell your chakra system that there's nothing to worry about, put aside the when, how, where is the solution going to come? And just truly trust that the solution will come when it's meant to. Then that's when the chakra system is going to manifest a solution because it assumes there's going to be a solution. I know it's easier said than done because when you're faced with a problem and a challenge, it could really bring down your energy. But the goal is to fight that urge to analyze the problem and just trust that things will change. Every single thing that you think or worry about, it sends little signals to your chakra system, telling the chakra system what to manifest. Keep that in mind next time you're worrying about getting a better job or anything at all, and simply just trust, trust that that better job will come if you put effort into it. So let's say that I am in a state of worry or concern over a financial issue because many people struggle with their finances. So what I'm hearing from you is that if I keep actively feeding that little bit of worry energy, I'm sending the wrong message to my chakras, the beautiful chakras that could manifest a happy ending or a happy situation, and I don't even realize I'm doing that. So we're, I'm, I'm worrying and I'm concerned, and what I'm creating is more worry and concern. Did I get it? Absolutely. That's absolutely right. So, Crystal, I'm worried and concerned. Help me shift that energy. What is, what is the message I could give myself that would be good for my chakras? Well, that is exactly why I created the programs in the first place, because it's not enough for me to just tell my clients, don't worry, <laughs> because that's a lot easier uh, said than done. Uh, when you're going through a problem, your body has no choice but to worry about it. And it's unrealistic to expect a person to just trust. In order to help my clients begin to have that blind faith, that's why I go into the chakra system and do these meditations and these programs in order to reset them, to give them that ability to let go of the worry. Okay, so what you're telling me is through, the, through an intervention of, of healing, you're, you're giving your chakra, which means you're a, an aspect of yourself, a glimpse of what it feels like not to have the worry. And so they know what that feels like. Is that, am I on the right track? 
Absolutely, yes. In order to let go of worry, sometimes a person needs a little bit of help. We all have it within us to solve our problems, but when it becomes to the point where they don't know how to let go of the fear and the worry, it's not enough for me to just tell my clients, don't worry. You know, they can't help it. So the chakra programs give them that ability to see what I see. And once they see what I see, it becomes absolutely easy for them. They say, oh, my gosh, you were so right. I don't know why I didn't listen to you. <laughs> I bet they only say that once, though. <laughs> Crystal, so here we go again, because we live we live in a space and time world. I can feel maybe someone listening out there is, is listening to what we're talking about and wondering, all right, I'm interested in shifting the conversation with myself. How long does it take to do that? See, it's it's different for everybody. And most people feel start to feel the results emotionally immediately. For other people, it takes maybe a few weeks to a month. But they will always be able to feel the results no matter when it happens. What I'm getting from you is there's an opportunity here to let go of Space and time, which leads us down the path of when, creating expectations. So some of your work must be around managing expectations or letting go of expectations. Would that be fair? Absolutely. i got to tell you the truth. There are certain people who come in that I cannot offer them a chakra program because they're not ready for it. If a person is so set on when and how and uh, when is it going to happen in time frames, when a person does that, it is not possible for them to heal yet. I'm only able to heal a person when they're truly, truly willing to let go and let me help them and let God help them. Letting go of those expectations is a part of trusting God. It's a part of blind faith. There are some people I have yeah. to turn away and tell them you're not ready. That's right. You're not, yeah, I can I can imagine that. Now, with these opportunities, let's say a person's listening out there and they're interested. What you're saying to them is they don't understand it in their head 100%, but it's speaking to their heart and they know what you're saying is true. And even more importantly, they know what you're saying would apply to their situation. How how does it start? How does the process start? Let's say they walk into the Crystal's Intuitive Healing Center. They are at a place where they are open to being helped. How does it unfold? Well, they come in in a place where if they're ready to be helped, then they come into a place where they're able to hear what I'm saying and trust that what I'm saying. And like you said, they may not see exactly what I'm seeing or or understand exactly what I'm seeing, they've been through enough to know I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to sacrifice whatever I have to sacrifice in order to just heal. And from there, that's when they become more and more inspired. And then once the program actually begins, they'll get a little glimpse of that healing and say, wow, I I can't wait for this to unfold even further. And that's where the healing really starts to, to kick off. Once again, I keep going back. This makes so much sense. It's common sense. It's, it's so wonderful. Now, another question, and I know, I know people are interested in this, this question, is why can't I lose weight? Crystal, go for it. 
Well, this is a big one. Uh, if you're constantly trying to lose weight by dieting and exercising and it's just not happening, you have to remember that the problem might be deeper than the physical body. When there is negative energy, it can reflect through your physical body, not just your mind and spirit. The most common chakras that affect weight are the navel chakra and the solar plexus and the heart, these three chakras. Look within these three chakras and figure out where the problem is. And that's what a part of what I do is figuring out where it is. Heal the problem through the meditation, crystals, singing bowls, or whatever type of chakra healing works for you. And then move on to dieting and exercising. Heal it on both ends. And then you'll notice a much bigger difference. The same can even be said for cancer patients. There are those who are constantly removing cancer every few years only to have it grow back. People in this situation need to stop and realize that the cancer is growing from a root in your chakra. This root of negativity needs to be pulled out and healed in order to stop, in order to stop the illness from growing back again and again. So, Crystal, can you share once more when you were saying the weight, what are the, you mentioned three chakras. There's the, which chakra for the weight loss? The heart chakra, the okay. solar plexus chakra, okay, and the root chakra. So with the heart chakra, can you talk a little bit about each of the chakras you just mentioned and just give a little example of how people hold negative energies in terms of weight loss, just something brief. Well, through the heart chakra, I know there's a lot of people out there that um, they they eat in order to kind of fill their soul when they're sad. When the heart chakra has negativity and sadness, it's the heart chakra is loneliness when there's negativity. The heart chakra is how you give and receive love. And if there's no love to give or to receive or if it's drained, that creates a very lonely and empty feeling in the heart. And people will eat in order to fill that. Um, even if they're not overeating in order to fill that, the heart chakra may hold on to the fat in the body in order to fill the heart. It's kind of replacing it with the fat in your body. So healing that makes a huge difference. Then moving on to the solar plexus, the solar plexus is your confidence, your strength in yourself. When there is negativity in the solar plexus, you're going to feel really bad about yourself. You're going to think the worst of yourself. When this happens, the solar plexus believes it too. Because you're telling your mind, you're fat, you're ugly, you're not good enough, the solar plexus also believes this. And that's terrible. So what the solar plexus does is it holds on to the fat in your body, kind of confirming that you are fat that you are not pretty, that you are not healthy, that whatever all these silly beliefs are. And the solar plexus holds on to the fat, like I say, in order to confirm that, that fear. Healing that will cut off that fat in the body that the solar plexus is holding on to. And then moving on to the root chakra, very similar. The root chakra is your grounding. It is how you are solid in your life, having a solid job, steady income, steady relationship. If this chakra is up in the air, let's say you don't have a steady income, you don't have a steady relationship, 
then that chakra feels the need to, to fill the void and replace it with, again, fat in the body. So replacing that, healing the root chakra and filling it with more healthy things like a stable job and a stable relationship, you'll be able to cut the fat out of the body. And there you go. That makes so much sense once again. So you're you're working on the in the arena of the unseen, the invisible first, and then you bring it into the realm of time and space, which would be the physical world. And most people do it the opposite way. That's absolutely right, yes. Yeah. You need to work on yeah. both ends, the physical body and the whole reason why it started in the first place. Okay, I gotcha. Now, I'd love to move into another area. For our listeners, Crystal is a new mom, um, just over a year. She has a beautiful little baby. And I noticed that, Crystal, you were talking about the next generation of children in one of your video, um, YouTube videos and how important it is to be raising our children in a, in a lifestyle that's loving and sharing and compassionate and you went on a little more, and you talked about that you have some real, solid, concrete concerns about technology and video games and especially disconnection from nature. And we just talked a little earlier about how nature heals. I'm wondering if you have a message to share with our listeners that relates to children. Absolutely, and thank you for bringing this up. And it's not that I don't believe in technology. I feel that the way technology is moving forward at this point is truly amazing. And it can be used to help us evolve, move forward, and heal the environment, heal illnesses. You'd be surprised at what we can do with our technology if we put our minds in the right place. I'm concerned because we're using technology to move backward. The children in this generation are doing nothing but watching nine-month, not mind-numbing, and let's face it, maybe even brainwashing videos, actually watching videos of other people playing video games. We need to teach our children that technology around us should be used in a more creative way, not to numb our brains. I read something on Facebook that you might have heard about. It's about a 15-year-old girl who built a miniature version of a house through donations of $15,000 or something like that, to be used for a homeless person. This house had a kitchen, plumbing, electrical, and everything you would find in a real home. This is the state of mind I'd like to see our generation in. Although, I mean, I don't expect every 15-year-old to be able to build a miniature house on her own. We all need to start evolving and moving forward on this type of path. I could only honestly say that if we don't do something about the way this generation is growing up, it could cause permanent damage. Crystal, for someone who's listening, who's out there, who shares the same concerns that you have, and you spoke to that so well, tell me your first step. What can someone, an everyday person do who has the same concerns about maybe misuse of technology or overuse of video games or disconnection from nature. Any tips? Well, we need to remind this new generation that the technology that's out there is not to be used for mind-numbing purposes. Use technology, use the Internet, use all of these wonderful, amazing things, but use it to explore, to learn, to challenge yourself, 
to create new inventions, to exercise your mind. Use it for those type of things. Use it for spreading a message out there into the universe that you feel needs to be changed. If you feel passionate about a problem in the world, make a YouTube channel and use that YouTube channel to explore your feelings and ways to better the mind. If you feel passionate about um, technology and graphics and video games, create something on your own that explores the mind and teaches people. You know, use your passions and your hobbies in order to either exercise your own mind or help others out there in the world. And we have to teach our children the importance of that. I know it's easy as mothers to use technology and TV in a way to kind of help our children uh, give us a break. (laughs) Sometimes we just need to sit down and eat or simply take a shower. And it's easy to use technology in order to help our kids calm down. If you're going to do that, at least let them explore something and see something that's actually going to educate them. There are so many TV shows and games out there that are so mind-numbing that it truly disgusts me. But there are also a lot of educational uh, TV and videos and, and things out there that could really help our generation, that could really inspire our generation, kind of show our children those types of um, videos. Don't, don't give in to the, today's pop culture. So, Crystal, you know I'm going to ask you, do you, do you have any videos or whatever to recommend or any guidance for people looking to do such a thing? Because I'm, I'm getting all pumped up myself here as I'm listening to you. And I'm here, yes, yes, good stuff, good stuff. And then I go, where do I find it? Where do I find it? <laughs> where do I find it, Crystal? <laughs> yes, well. In order to do that, uh, you're going to have to explore the age of your child. Right now, my child is a little over one year old. So what I'm exploring is that age group of videos, games, even toys. And everything that I buy for my child, everything I put on for my child, always has to be towards towards educational use. Now, videos that I would explore, I know a lot of people put on – Videos like, let's say, you know, Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, things like that. I really like, um, there was something that was really popular for a while, but a lot of people didn't like it. I want to say that Baby Can Read, My Baby Can Read videos, amazing, absolutely amazing. My child had learned his colors by nine months old. He was able to recognize three different colors. He is able to recognize different shapes. Uh, He is now learning to draw circles. And this is all before he was one year old. So I, uh, I introduced him to the baby can read all the toys that he used are all for educational use, shapes, colors, numbers, um, nothing that, that has no use to it. Nothing that can't exercise his mind. You have to put your thoughts into every single thing he touches, uses, sees has to be something that explores his mind. You know, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants may be very uh, funny and entertaining, but it's not going to do anything to exercise the mind. I like what you're saying. And 
for moms out there, this is this occurred to me that even if each person found a good video or a good educational resource that was appropriate, age appropriate, and then shared it in sense of community. You know, if you had 10 or 12 members, then there you go. You're off to the races. And then that can be shared with the next group going through that life path phase. So it doesn't have to be a whole lot of work if you choose to join with some friends. What do you think? Absolutely. If we all start doing this one by one, then a whole community of people could share that wisdom down to each generation. And like I say, it could be even to the smallest thing, even besides games or videos, even the way you play with your child. Instead of giving my son a box of crayons and a piece of paper and letting him doodle whatever he wants, I'll get the crayon and I will draw circle after circle after circle, saying the word over and over again. He now knows that when he picks up a crayon, he's going to try and draw a circle because that's what he thinks the crayon is for. He associated crayons with the shape circle, and that's how he learned that shape. So just into every single little thing you do, um, try to teach him something. Try to teach him or, or, or her a lesson with every toy that they have. I like that. Once again, lots of common sense. Now, Crystal, you're here today. You're doing beautiful, beautiful work. I know that there, there is a, and was a very special mentor, um, source of inspiration in the human form on your path, and I'd love to share your story about this with our listeners. Oh, yes. You know, about, I want to say, maybe five or six years ago, uh, Suwami Kriyananda, who is the disciple of Yogananda, came into my space. I had no idea who he was. And he came into my space for a reading. He went through a terrible um, experience with his health. And um, he came in for a reading to get a little more information on that. And I was able to give him a reading and tell him what I seen for him. And I seen so much love and family and spiritual energy around him. Well, of course, I had no idea who he was, and without indulging too much uh, in what exactly the, the personal questions he had, he was very, very impressed that I was able to see exactly who he was and what type of person he was without realizing that he was popular or famous at all. And from there, we just came such amazing friends. He brought so much into my life and introduced me to the entire Inanda community and introduced me to their types of healing, introduced me to different ways of helping people emotionally. He was just an amazing person in my life, definitely. And who else, who else inspires you or is a role model? Honestly, my only true mentor is really God. God helps me through every challenge or confusion I feel at any point in my life. I've gotten so much inspiration from reading the Bible and praying to God. As long as your chakras are aligned, it's very easy to feel God's love and answers. I could feel the answers to my prayers sometimes before I even get the words out. If you give God a chance, he will always answer your prayers. Sometimes you may not like the answer, but as long as you're prepared to follow his path, you'll never regret it. Although I'm sure there are many spiritual teachers and mentors 
that are amazing and very healing, such as Swami Kriyananda, the best thing is to just go straight to the source of positive energy. If you have the ability within you to connect with God, then there is no one else to go to. There is no reason to go to anyone else. This is my goal for my clients is to help them be able to reach this source of, of knowledge. And so how do, you, how do you nourish yourself, Crystal, like to show up every day and do your work? Again, I nourish myself through meditation and through prayer. Whenever I face a problem, I pray to God and he gives me immediately that source of power and, and strength. Just bringing it to him is just such an amazing tool that a lot of people don't realize is within them. And do you, do you feel when you're saying God, you, you use it in the masculine form? And I love when you say source, the source of positive energy. Do you feel God is male? Well, I feel God is really neither male or female, to tell you the truth. I think he created male and female, but God is a source of power that's above male or female. It's source of energy. It's the source of everything combined. God is male and female combined. God is everything we are and everything we are not. He created us as, I see us male, female, animals, plants, earth, as tiny little cells that make up God. I like that, Crystal. I, and I love when you were saying source, the source of positive energy. That felt very powerful to me and it felt very real. So the meditation, uh, the prayer, the living in integrity, I know that you are walking your talk. You apply to yourself what you apply to your clients, and that's a beautiful thing. Any online resources, if someone wanted to avail themselves of that, or books that you've liked? Well, actually, I have written books on aligning the chakras myself. Uh, I've written a few books. One is a crystal dictionary, but the one that could really help people move forward is an alignment that people can do on their own. It's a 126-day alignment, and it's actually pretty tedious, to tell you the truth. It's not for uh, people who are kind of beginners at meditation, but it's very, very powerful if you're willing to dedicate yourself to it. It's called uh, Need a Chakra Reset Button, and you can find it anywhere online. book that, that brings source of power is... Uh, the Bible, believe it or not, that's where I get a lot of my inspiration. One part that's so important in life is knowing what works for you, right? Knowing what works with your energies. Now, what I'd like to do, Crystal, you've been doing such a beautiful job sharing your perspectives and your guidance and your insights and your healing. Let's take a little break, a little two-minute break, and then when I come back, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about what you see in terms of your role, how it's blossoming, how it's unfolding in regard to your your center, Crystal's intuition center. How does that sound? That sounds wonderful. Join Mildred Lynn McDonald for a fascinating tour of the mind-body-spirit connection. Enjoy nourishing conversations, thought-provoking guests, personal growth tools, compassionate guidance, practical tips, plus a generous sprinkling of East Coast humor and warmth. You'll also love our popular roundtable discussions featuring Heisey Lutmers, John Carousella, and Mildred Lynn. Airs the first Sunday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
For more information, please go to HealingConversationsWithMildredLynn.com. Enjoy the show. Battered and torn Still I can see the light Tattered and warm But I must need to fight Friend of mine What can you I know sometimes it gets cold in there when my legs no longer carry and I walk listening to Healing Conversations with host Mildred Lynn McDonald on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at fireflywillows.com. Enjoy the show. And we're back. We're here with Crystal Starr. Are you there, Crystal? Yes, I'm here. Did you enjoy the music? It was beautiful, yes. It, it was. It was it was uh, Rita McNeil. She's from Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia, and she passed away a couple of years ago. A beautiful, beautiful spirit, a beautiful soul with many wonderful messages and role model, role model definitely for a lot of people in her life. So let's move over to you, though. How do you see your role unfolding or blossoming as you move forward with your work? My goal is to expand Crystal's intuitive center. I would like to be able to offer many different types of healing for the mind, body, and soul. You know, I offer lots of different types of healing, but there are so many hundreds of different types of healing um, sources. And my goal is to be able to infuse that into Crystal's intuitive center and bring on other healers that are experts in different areas and 
in order to help them heal, I like to be able to, like I say, connect with the mind, body, and soul through these different types of healings. My goal is to be able to teach the world around us how important it is to have your chakras aligned, how to manifest energy. We as human beings have so much power and ability over our own lives that we can manifest anything that we want, anything that we, that we see for ourselves. But more importantly, I think the point is not to just manifest what we want, but what God sees in our future. And the difficult part is knowing the difference between the two paths, what we want and what we're meant to have. And I think that by bringing on other healers and expanding into a large healing center of different types of healers, that will give all of us access to be able to reach that source of energy and positivity in our own way because everybody heals in a different way. Everybody does. The chakras are the source of everything, but there are so many different ways of connecting to the chakras, and that's what I would like to see. Crystal, you hit on a very, very important point. It's the difference between what we think we want and what is in our highest interest to desire. And you said it's important to know the difference between both. How can someone know the difference? Can you give us a little tip or guidance on that? Well, one thing that I see in my own personal life anyway is that whenever I try to uh, reach a goal, whenever I have something that I want in my life, I could try and try and there will be obstacle after obstacle getting in the way. Sometimes that's a sign that you're either not meant to have it yet or you're not meant to have it at all. Sometimes you just need to let go of trying over and over again. It could be a relationship you're trying to fix. It could be a, a career path you want for yourself. If you, could, if you have the ability to pursue it and you do and you fail over and over again, it may be a sign that you either need to wait or that you need to let it go. And what about from a feeling perspective? Like I know many people walk through the earth and they're they're very in tune with their head, not so much in tune with their heart. And my experience has been on my path when things came into to me and I wondered, should I go left or right or if it was in my highest interest? And I'm sure for you this would make sense. It's always wise to say that's interesting and step back and do a meditation and really connect with your heart. Yes, that's exactly right. You need to step back from the situation. Because if you're trying to figure out left or right, left or right, and you're analyzing it and driving yourself crazy, you need to take a step back. Once you take a step back, You'll, a, you'll be able to see over the obstacles of the left path and the right path and see what's on the horizon of those two paths. It'll be much easier to see what path to go down if you take that step back and really look at the paths in front of you. Obviously, you know, people come to a psychic to, to get the answers of what's on each path, but you have it in your own ability if you just simply take a step back. And in terms of our listeners, they may be saying, Okay, makes a lot of sense. I keep going back to the word or the energy vibration of common sense. That seems to be the theme, at least from my end. Do you have a tip or some guidance that you can offer people who are listening 
to help them take a step to enhance their own psychic ability? Because you were sharing, everybody has this. So how can they start to develop this? Developing the psychic ability is actually a lot easier than people realize. The most important thing to remember is that, again, everybody has it. The most common problem is that the solar plexus, which affects your confidence, is very strongly attached to the third eye chakra, which is your psychic ability. Most people receive psychic intuition and visions, but they don't even have the the self-confidence it takes to trust in that intuition. So the first step is healing the solar plexus and allowing yourself to trust what you feel. Stop second-guessing yourself because your spirit knows the right way and your spirit knows the right answer. But if your brain gets in the way, it sends signals of doubt. Ways of enhancing the psychic ability are using the crystal amethyst and meditations to enhance the psychic ability are visualizing the third eye opening and closing. And then ways to enhance your solar plexus, which is your confidence, is using a citrine crystal, which is a yellow crystal, and visualize taking in yellow energy into the solar plexus and it bursting into a sun. Oh, I love that, especially when you're saying sun, and I'm thinking about California now, land of the sun. (laughs) The ultimate. ultimate. (laughs) Crystal, I wanted to ask you also, what do you find fulfilling and rewarding about your work? And, And also, what do you find challenging? Well, my favorite thing to see is when a client has reached the point where they are manifesting positive opportunities on their own. Once they get through every chakra and things are balanced in their life, they're able to see the future clearly. They're able to let go of the things they're not meant to have and find ways to be even happier than they ever expected. Seeing those who are in the middle of so much negativity and are unwilling to go through the process of healing and meditating is very difficult. Of course, I have many ways of helping those who have no focus to meditate. But sometimes when a person is so consumed by negativity, you can start to thrive off of negativity and become stubborn when offered help. It really frustrates me to see that because I know there's nothing that I can do if they're not ready to be healed. A person has to be willing to heal and move forward in their life in order for me to help. At that point, it's out of my hands, and I have to trust that God will help protect that person. And that part is very difficult for me. Yeah, I can relate. I can relate to that. One of the biggest challenges I've had to learn is to disengage, to go as far as it's in my highest interest to go and then step back. But I also wanted to ask you, what's coming up for you next year? Well, this year I'm planning on developing a dating website. It's still in the works, but I'm very excited about it. All of my clients have trouble meeting people. The point of this dating website is to connect people who are highly attuned to positive energy. Spiritual people are not exactly looking in a bar to find their soulmate. It's not exactly the best way to go about things. This is a really good way to ensure that you're meeting someone who understands the importance of positive energy, God, spirituality. I'm also going to be developing a psychic line. I know there are many psychic lines out there, but I want to be able to offer all types of psychic readings and over-the-phone energy healings as well. 
It'll be a small group of people that I personally trust. Hopefully these two online uh, sources will be ready in 2015. In 2016, I'm I'm planning on expanding Crystal's Intuitive Center, like I said before, into a bigger space and offering those different types of healings that are directed to the mind, body, and soul. And Crystal, if someone wanted to go to your website, can you share your website URL and also how best to get a hold of you? Yes, the website is kind of a long one. It's Crystal with a K, crystalsintuitivecenter.com. And that has all my information, um, how I developed the psychic ability, uh, information about my programs, my books, CDs, everything on it. Excellent. And before we leave, Crystal, any anything else that you would love to share with our listeners, something for them to tuck in their into their winter vest, although I know no one's wearing winter vest in, in uh, Sunnydale, is something that they can carry with them and maybe explore during meditation or just ponder on that might help a little bit of guidance. A message I want to give out there to people is that while we're so so dedicated to analyzing our own personal problems in our life, we all need to step back and realize that each and every single human being on earth is a part of uh, um, ultimate spirit of God, of the source of power. And if we could all just connect to each other and help each other one by one, we would realize that our problems will move forward and unfold. And, and as long as we have trust and faith, blind faith, you really can't go wrong. There's no way you can make a mistake. I love that. That's wonderful guidance. And Crystal, it would be wonderful once you get the Intuition Center up and running and your dating site. And I don't know, I think there's also an opportunity to to develop something for children to teach them about the chakras and the wonderful work you're doing. I would love to stay in touch with you and have you back on the show. Is that something that you'd entertain? Absolutely. I would love to come back on the show. And uh, as you said, I think that there is a lot of different ways to build some sort of program for children. And that's something I'm going to be exploring now. Thank you for joining us today. We're talking to Crystal Starr. She's in California. She is a very wonderful and talented and dedicated expert in the area of crystals and chakra and intuitive reading. She's got it all and expanding. We've picked that up from our time together, and I'm so excited to see what's going to unfold here. So thank you, Crystal. Have a beautiful day, and I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you, Mildred. It was so wonderful to be on the show. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Join Mildred Lynn McDonald for a fascinating tour of the mind-body-spirit connection. Enjoy nourishing conversations, thought-provoking guests, personal growth tools, compassionate guidance, practical tips, plus a generous sprinkling of East Coast humor and warmth. You'll also love our popular roundtable discussions, featuring Heisey Lutmers, John Carousella, and Mildred Lynn. Airs the first Sunday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. For more information, please go to HealingConversationsWithMildredLynn.com.
This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for joining us. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist with Heisey Lutmers and Charlie Harrington, Tuesday evening at 8 p.m.